we're going through Psalms at the moment. So if you want to turn, I want to say 119, but actually it's 19. <laughs> Still a good sound though. They, both of them are good, aren't they? But if you're going to read it out, then this is a bit easier to get through in one sitting. <coughs> cool. So hopefully you can get there. And I will then read that out. Great. Cool. So let's read it. So Psalm 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes a circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, and the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever, and the decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold. Than much pure honey, they are sweeter. Sorry, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warmed. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer so it's a great psalm it's um, one that you may be familiar with um, and particularly I think the end bit is fairly well known may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight lord my rock and my redeemer and really there's uh, just some simple messages in this psalm for us um, that are backed up by two really big and great examples and the two really simple messages of this psalm are simply this what we say and what we think is really important to God so the things we say and the things that go on in our mind and what we think about is really really important to God and they feel like the basics of Christianity that we need to say the right things and think good things and yet it's also the area I feel like we're really prone to letting God down you know, we say things we shouldn't do and think things we pretty much shouldn't do. You know, it's the two areas. And yet they're really, really important to God. So I just want to go through these things and the passage uh, and just hopefully bring out some things that will apply to your life and that you will be able to take away. And really the, the first portion, um, I've, I've called it three, there's three parts that I would say. Um, and the first part I've entitled this, and it's really simple and really obvious, and it's this. Actions speak louder than words. We've all heard that before, haven't we? Actions speak louder than words. And he, and he really talks about this through creation. It's actually a psalm of David. It says that at the beginning. So David talks about it through creation. And I want to ask you, and I want you to actually think about this. What's the, out of your life, what's the most glorious thing you've ever seen in creation? What's the best 
vista or thing just have a think and maybe tell the person next to you what what was the thing that the the thing that you just think of that the best thing and what the most glorious and amazing bit of creation that you personally have ever seen and I don't want to I'll share a couple of mine I don't do them to boast I've had the privilege of doing a little bit of travel but there is much of the world that I've never seen but yeah I did I've got I've um, had the privilege of seeing the Grand Canyon um, and just the the vastness of that and I've got a picture with this rainbow over it and I just think that's really cool of um, a, you know God's promise but over the vastness of the earth and um, I've also been seeing Niagara Falls in America as well in America Canada and, I, and it, when I went it was one of the coldest winters that Canada and I guess the US had had in years that if you looked at the time they were throwing cups of water up in the air and they just freeze in the air and Niagara Falls, it was actually frozen solid. So this, this huge body of water and the water still underneath was going down and, and where it bounced up at the top, it, it froze upwards as well. So it'd go down. It's just amazing. Um, and you just see God's you know, glory in that. And then it's amazing as well what man has done to Niagara Falls. When you just you look at it and then you look around it and it's just like Las Vegas. It's awful it really is they've absolutely wrecked it with all these buildings and casinos and it's just not nice and you just it's that great amazing thing of creation then what man does to it and you go glory of god glory of man uh, and i did i lived for new zealand for a few years you know that from my stories and yeah i know that um right at the top of new zealand they call it the tropical north and uh, there's they have 90 mile beach it's not actually 90 miles it's 60 miles so no one knows why they call it 90 mile beach uh, but it is it's just sand dune after sand dune it's just this amazing untouched wilderness of that and then right at the tip you've got the pacific ocean meets the tasman sea it's one of the few places in the world these two bodies of water meet and you can see them meeting like a triangle where they intersect and different colors just merging it's absolutely amazing right down to the the um alpine tip of the south of uh, new zealand where um, you go on a ferry and you go down Doubtful, well, you go through glaciers and then you go right to the bottom and this just uh, untouched areas of mountains and uh, f waterfalls just coming over and you get right to the tip where there's penguins and uh, seals on the rocks and whales going around and it's just, it's just magical and you just see that and in that you just see some of those things and of course I've seen the very best of the Yorkshire Dales, God's own country, come on, that has to be the very best isn't it and creation speaks wherever you go whenever you see it creation speaks of our God and it speaks of many things about God there's lots of different examples you can uh, just see Psalm 8 a bit earlier on where it says when I consider your heavens that's it so maybe you can't get to these places but we can all look up can't we when I consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place and it goes on to say doesn't it what is man there for that you're mindful of him who are we then when you look at these amazing things who are we you know it speaks of his holiness in Romans 1:20 it says for since the creation of the world God's invisible qualities his eternal power divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse we can see his holiness in it and here in this psalm the glory of God the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. It's just what it says about him. And here is, this will be a side note to what I'm going to preach about. Um, 
This is why, by the way, that creation is so under attack, because it displays God and therefore it must be attacked. And the fact that God could have created that because it's speaking about God and it enrages people. It enrages the enemy in the world because it just is a testament to God and therefore it must be attacked. You know, and um, I think it's really sad, but they're, they're advertising at the moment for, have you ever seen the documentary Planet Earth? And um, it's got David Attenborough kind of, yeah, he's got a good voice, but he's also kind of, you know, if God's speaking through it, he's droning over the top of it. And there is a... An elk, anyway, I don't know, do, doing what elks do, elking around. Um, and anyway, he's doing that. But, you know, the whole thing is just displays and they've got the second series out and it's amazing. People play it on their high definition televisions because it just displays the amazingness of nature. And yet they, as they go through it, there's no acknowledgement of God in it. And yet God is speaking through that thing because it's self-evident within it. It speaks louder than David Attenborough, clearly seen that so people are without excuse. But funnily enough, this psalm is actually not about what creation is saying. It's actually not. That's not why the psalmist talks about what the creation is saying. The psalmist is trying to tell us something, an important principle, using creation as an example. And he's saying it's not what creation is saying, but the fact that it says it and it does it without talking. Because that's where he says, he goes on into verse 2, day after, uh, verse 2 and 3, day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge, yet they have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, and yet their voice still goes out onto all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And here is lesson one for us, that the psalmist, David, is trying to preach to us. And it's that that I introduced it with, that our um, our lives speak as loud as our actual words. Actions speak louder than words. Because that's what it's saying. Nature, uh, nature, creation displays these amazing messages about God, but it doesn't need to use any words. And he's saying the same about us, that we don't have to speak in inverted commas to speak. We're telling a story to the people around us all the time. You know, the way that we interact with people, our facial expressions, the way we spend our money and what we spend our money on, our reactions to the things that annoy us, how we are with uh, needy people or difficult people or poor people, how we respond to little children, how we respond to people that are different from us, how we respond to being persecuted or ill-treated, how we respond to times of sickness and sadness, as much as how we respond to blessing and how we choose to use our time you could think of example after example but the way we do things the way we live our lives as Christians speaks out to other people it sends a message we are speaking all the time and just like creation we we don't have to speak we don't have to use words no sound has to be heard from us but yet our voice still goes out and people still see who we are and what we're like everything we're doing and the second lesson the psalmist is saying to us is that as Christians our lives are meant to be declaring the glory of God because that's what nature and creation does it does it without speaking and the way we live our we live our lives is meant to display and declare the glory of God what a responsibility but hey we picked we we decided to take on his name didn't we Christ followers Christians we are followers of Christ we've been given his name 
So our na- his name is on us. And therefore, the way we live our lives that speaks out and sends a message needs to be one that glorifies the name that we've now taken on, doesn't it? We have to glorify our God in the name that we do. You know, we're already pointing to God. So what are we saying about God? And like I say, um, it's the ones, it's the things where we most let him down in, isn't it? Sometimes the thing we say and the things that we talk about and the things that we think. But it's so important to God that we get this stuff right. So how we live our lives sends a message. And I hope that that, and that's what the psalmist is using creation as an example for it. Does it without speaking, but so do we. And sometimes our actions don't match the words, do they? So we can be speaking, but actually our lives speak a louder message. And I'd even say it to you guys tonight that, you know, I'm speaking right now, but I tell you this, you're speaking as loud as I am, just as you sat here. God can hear what you're saying. He knows your thoughts. He can hear what you're, what you're thinking and, and saying. He knows your postures and, your, and the words, you know, everything about us. We are speaking. So that's the first principle. Actions speak as loud or louder than words. That's the, We're speaking a message out to this world. What message are we speaking? Part two is this, and it goes on from verse 7 to 13. And this is the second principle that I want to teach on tonight is that what is inside will come out. That is what that is what the message will be. That's what we'll be speaking, that what we speak comes from inside who we are. And that is what verses 7 to 13 move on to. It talks about the things that are inside. It goes on from this example of creation that speaks without words. And it goes on to talk about the inside of us. It uses words and I'll come on to them. But before I get into the specifics of verses 7 to 13... It's about what is inside us that that comes out. And I want to read out a bit of James 3, uh, and it'll be verse 9 to, to 12. And it says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and yet with it we also curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And what it's talking about is that so often as Christians, we try and deal with the superficial matters of our faith. So it's a bit like, you know, rather than looking at what's inside us, we try and just stop saying bad things. And to me, it's a bit like trying to catch flies with your hand. It's just hard. These words are just flying out of our mouth. And yet we're trying to grab them as they're coming out. And God's saying, actually, it's far more important to look at the heart condition. And and that's where it actually comes from. It's no, you know, it's good to be disciplined and and with our behaviour. You know, and it gives those examples. Can a fresh water bring forth salt water, a spring? You know, it's what's at the source. What's at the source of that spring? Not what comes out. It's the source that matters. Because the source, when that's right, the right thing will come out. And it's the same with the tree. You know, an apple tree can't produce oranges. It's what's at the root. What What is at the DNA, DNA of that tree? Um, so it's good to be disciplined and self-controlled. But the Bible says it's... <laughs> as important or far more important to deal with what's on the inside of us and what we're doing and that's what psalm 19 talks about it talks about the soul which is who we are it's our life and in verse 7 it it talks about something that refreshes the soul 
It talks about a soul that needs to be refreshed. So I want to ask, you know, our soul, therefore, if it needs refreshing, what's the opposite of refreshing? Well, it's dryness, isn't it? And if what's in us is dry, then what will come out will be dryness. And it talks about the heart in verse 7 to 8. And it talks about, firstly, giving joy to the heart. And if we give joy to the heart, then what is the opposite of a joyful heart? Well, it's a sad heart, isn't it? Or a bitter heart. If we read, you know, verse 7 there, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You know, it also talks of there of a, a heart that is wise. And what's the opposite of a of a, a, a heart that's wise? It's a foolish heart, isn't it? So is our heart foolish or is it wise? It goes on to talk in verse uh, 8 as well about the eyes. It says, eyes that are, um, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, and the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. It's talking about how we see things. I'm going to get there to the point. It talks about how we see things. Do we see things with radiance as we look out on the world from within? Or do we see things with gloom and blackness and negativity? Is our outlook good or is it bad? And then it goes on to hidden errors in verse 12. Look inside me, God. Who can discern their own errors, their hidden faults? And what it's talking about is that our behaviour is so often based on the things inside us that we don't know that are wrong. So often the things that come out and the message we speak is based on hidden faults and the things that are wrong within us. And I come back to that point, we're all speaking a message tonight, but it's what's in us that comes out. And I want to go back through those things because what he's saying is that if our soul is dry and our heart is bitter and our eyes see bad things and we don't look right and if our heart is foolish instead of wise and if our hidden errors and false control us, then the message we speak out will be one that's unwise. It will be one of bitterness that will look at things and the way we view things will be full of gloom and blackness and negativity, our hidden errors and our faults will affect what's out there. The psalmist is saying that that deep within us there are issues that need to be dealt with, that that dictate the way that we are. That if we don't look to these things, it affects the message that we send and the life that we live. And we'll live a foolish life, we'll live a bitter life, we'll live a life that is full of gloom uh, and one that is dry and not rich. And like I say, you know these people, don't you? You know, I was going to, I thought I could give some examples, good ones, don't worry, but I won't give any bad ones of people, you know, from this church. But you know when you're just with someone and they just emanate just joy. Um, there was a guy that um, used to come and volunteer um, at our office um, and he was a guy called Jack um, and he must have been a Christian, well probably as long as some of you guys, but he's a, an older gentleman now um, and <clears throat> just he was just, when you're with him, his whole face, it felt like this, his face was always radiant, you know, just he was he was older, he was, he'd go through struggles, but just, he's, you know, when, how are you doing, Jack? Oh, praise God, I'm doing great. I'm, you know, just the radiant answers. <clears throat> 
he used to work in the office where I work and it's a Christian place and he actually used to work there when it was a box factory before we bought it. It used to be a cardboard box factory and he used to work there and he told us the story that um, he used to, when he was in there praying, he said, Lord, I just want this place to be full of Christians. And um, he ne- and then he said to us when this, he said he never realised, he, he wanted people there to get saved and he never realised that, you know, actually a Christian organisation would move in there from this thing. And um, But he's been amazing around Bradford his his story is that um he got saved into um what do you call what are those christians that are a bit um the 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 this one up the road on what's on the rebecca street what are those ones Brethren, those ones. He got saved into a brethren church, I think probably in Shipley or something. And j- I just love his story and just when he shares his testimony. And um, and apparently he got saved and, and he, in about a year in, he, he was reading the Bible and read about baptism. He went up to the guys and they were like, and he was like, do you think I should do this? And they read the Bible as well. And I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds like something you should do. And they were like, well, how do we do it? And they got the plans out for this brethren church and they had to dig out the baptism because it had been filled and they found it again. And just revival came from it. And oh, it's just got amazing testimony it just fills me with life when I think about him and 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 that's his testimony in his story and yet at 80 he must be 85 now or something and you still meet him and he's just radiant it's just his life is speaking out a message of God he doesn't have to say you know he does not have to say words it just it's full of radiance within him I know that 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 within him are those things uh, and his wife as well and um and this is what I think this psalm is talking about. You know when you're around these people. And the psalmist is encouraging us that this stuff is important. Our, loud, our actions speak louder than words. It doesn't matter what we say. It matters the kind of, of who we are. And the second principle I'm teaching you is this, is that what is inside will come out. And I'm just telling you, there's something about that guy that has got this stuff. And I believe it, that his heart is full of joy, not bitterness. That his soul is not dry, but it is a refreshed soul. You know it when you meet him. You know that his heart is full of wisdom, not foolishness. That his eyes, he sees things with positivity and he sees the good in things. His eyes are radiant. And I'm sure God has dealt with him and that he's a humble guy and his hidden faults. And that really is the third thing that I want to, to, to teach on as we draw it to an end, is the remedy. What do we do if our lives are like this? What is the remedy for in us? If what is in us is what comes out, then what's the remedy to make sure that what is in us is good? And it is these things... Does your soul today need refreshing? Well, the law of the Lord is perfect for refreshing the soul. If you need wisdom, well, it says in here, the statutes of God will give you wisdom. If you need joy, it says the precepts of God will give joy to your heart. If you need light in the eyes, then the commands of God will give light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, if you need that purity. And it's these things that are a honey and a sweetness that will sink into your life. And as the honey and the sweetness and the gold that it talks about in verse 10, it says they're more precious than gold, they're more pure, sorry, they're more precious than gold, much more pure. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. You know, I really believe that that we all need this to sink into our lives. We need God's goodness to sink into our lives, that his law that gives wisdom, the precepts, all of those things that will just give us a sweet, sweet 
inside. Almost that as if as Christians we were to be cut open like, you know, a honeycomb. And out of it just comes this sweetness of life. And that is what God is calling us to do. He says it's not the outward appearance. He says that your life is speaking something louder than your outward appearance. And it comes from what is within you. And I ask tonight, what is within you? Because this psalm teaches two versions of what's in you. It's either bitterness, foolishness, dryness and a gloomy outlook. Or within you is that sweetness of honey and out of you is a radiance of light as you look out onto the world. Is God's radiance and you see his light that out of you comes refreshing joy and wisdom and it just emanates from within you. And the only remedy for both of us whoever we are, is that we need these things within us to sink like honey into us, to sweeten our insides. For it's those things. So let me give some example. It's God's perfect law that will change an angry soul, or a bitter soul, or a lustful soul, a confused soul, a soul that covets, one that craves and yearns, one that has lost control. It's fear of God that will stop you boundary, uh, crossing boundaries you should never cross. It's those things that will change you from the inside out. And as Christians, we need to be people that are being transformed from the inside out. We're not a superficial people. We're not a people that just appear on the outside. We're a people that God is transforming from the inside out. And it's a work that God needs to do for us tonight. And his speaking as well will reveal to you the areas that need healing, work and challenge. And I ask that to you tonight. I think that's the application as we go forward. Is what are, what is it that God needs to speak to in your life? It's where he gets to at the end. He says, who can discern their own errors? Where is it, God, that I'm not right? Where is it, God, that I need changing because I've got this thing and it's coming out of me and it's not right and it needs dealing with? What is it within me, God, that needs dealing with? Who? And this is it. Well, the answer is who can discern their own errors? It's a work of God to tell you what it is that's not right on the inside. And God tonight needs to deal with some things on your inside and your hidden faults. But praise God, there's that verse in another Psalm, 139 verse 24. And this is our prayer then. If this is you tonight and you think, well, what is it on inside of me, God, that needs dealing with? Well, pray this prayer. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That is the prayer that we need to pray tonight. Our life is a message. We're speaking things all the time. But God is the one that can deal with those things on the inside. He's the one that will deal with those things. And all of these things, by the way, they come down to this. It's what we think about and what we dwell on that affects who we are on the inside. A person who dwells on these things, prays on these things, meditates on these things, allows God to deal with their lives on the inside. Those are people that will be transformed from the inside out. And yet the problem with us as human beings, not just as Christians, is we spend so much of our time thinking of wrong things, dwelling on wrong things. And I want to say to you that that's where so often our lives go wrong, that we, we dwell on those things. We dwell on unforgiveness. We dwell on our covetous desires. We dwell on our vengeful actions. We want to take vengeance and we dwell on it. We um, dwell on bitterness and things 
things that are not right. And it's those things that as we meditate on them, they sink down into our souls and they, they, they become part of who we are. And it's that that then comes out of us. And yet this is what this psalm is saying is that we need to be a people who spend time doing the other, the opposite. That instead of thinking of those things of ourselves and vengeance and covetousness and lustful thoughts and all of those things, that instead of those things, we're a people that think of God. We think of who he is. We think of his laws. We think of his goodness. We pray for him to deal with us. And as that seeps into our souls, it will be like a honey. It will be like gold flowing into us and it's that that then comes out people our actions speak louder than words we're speaking a message out as we as we live our daily lives we are a people that speak just by our actions but I'm telling you this it's what's on the inside that we'll speak out it's who we are deep down in here and God needs to do an amazing work to deal with those hidden faults to deal with those issues within us but what we think and who we are will will dwell within us let's make sure that we meditate on good things because it's that that comes out it's that that gives us those things and i'll say it again we want a soul that is refreshed with joy we want a, a heart that is full of joy we want a heart that's full of wisdom eyes that are radiant and we want our hidden errors and faults dealt with and that's who we want to be and there it is. So that's the conclusion. We speak with our lives and our actual words. Our actual words are important. So the words we speak are important. But what God's reminding us tonight is that who we are on the inside is as loud as the words that we say. We must speak to the glory of God. We must glorify God with the actions and the way that we live our life. But what is in us must come out. We must take care to ensure that what we think about and what we say is right. And if we've listed all those things, if we've gone through those things, then at the end of it, we can say these things. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord my rock and my redeemer. And there's been a song written about these um, by Tim Hughes, and I'll just read out the lyrics for you. Uh, and I just want, yeah, just God to maybe... Um, minister that thought to you and just to maybe pray that prayer as you finish and um, that's psalm 139 verse 24 prayer see if there's any offensive way in me lord god and lead me in the way everlasting and that you know deal with what's on the inside tonight because what is in the inside is what comes out and who we are so may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my heart bless your name bless your name jesus and the deeds of the day and the truth in my way, speak of you, speak of you, Jesus. For this is what I'm glad to do. It's time to live a life of love that pleases you. And I will give my all to you. Surrender everything I have and follow you. I'll follow you. Lord, will you be my vision? Will you be my guide? Be my hope, be my life and the way. And I'll look not for riches nor praises on earth. Only you'll be the first in my heart. Amen.